So, hello everybody. Uh, my name is uh, Daniel and welcome to another a- episode of Pipe Labs podcast. Uh, I'm one of the co-founders of Pipe Labs and uh, the chief sales officer. And today we're going to cover a couple of topics, uh, some of the stuff that I uh, meet when I um, talk to decision makers within companies, when we talk about how can we grow the company. It's uh, both stuff that I've uh, encountered during my career uh, as a recruiter. Uh, also, when I've been on the agency side, when I've been embedded into companies, when I've been running my own recruitments. So it's going to be some insights, some questions that might stay true for you for a very long time. And, and hopefully I can give you something of value where you can use that in your company building. So uh, on uh, today's episode, uh, what I'm thinking about covering is a little bit more about recruitment coupled to company building. Um, how people really uh, matter when you build a company and why this should be a top priority for people in top management, really, of any company, uh, no matter the size. And then my, my plan is to, to bridge into a little bit more about uh, talent acquisition and basically the hiring process, like the hiring managers. When you engage uh, candidates that are relevant or people that you would like to have in your, your business, as we, we like to see uh, see candidates, really, that, that will elevate your business to the next level. How do we make sure that we transfer knowledge from one process uh, w- within the process from between the different steps? How do we make sure that not to repeat ourselves so everybody has a really good experience of the process? And really, at the end of the day, why does that matter um, uh, for, for any company? And then I would like to touch a little bit about, I mean, we, we throw around uh, stuff like talent pools a lot and like, Reusing candidates can be like the holy grail for recruitment, especially if you're on the agency side. But also, like, how do we really stay in touch with people that we have met before? And I have a couple of examples there from uh, from a quite large fintech player that I, I was working with, and that, that I would like to go through. So that's basically the plan for today. Start a little bit more about an, an overview and talk about like why are people important to to any company and why is recruitment a top priority or should be a top priority for your company if you if you're looking to grow, um, and then move into the other topics. Let's start off by talking a little bit about people in your company. So. Basically, you could say that people are probably a key element of your business. It's important for many companies to understand like, okay, who do we actually recruit? Who works in our company? Because it matters. Companies are built by people. And basically, you could look at it as some kind of an equation. Well, the people in this equation are the variables. And then the sum of the formula is actually your company. Um, and this, in the end, the success of your company, because the stronger the equation gets, the better your company will perform, it will outperform its competitors, which means that the better people you can get suited, better people suited for you, your business, the better results you will achieve and gain a competitive edge over competitors. Something that's thrown around, um, I've heard it many times throughout my career, career, is like if you just take ordinary people, and put them in systems or a good structure, then they can reach extraordinary results. And this is true. Obviously, when people know what to do, how to do it, when to do it, you will achieve better results. But that the role of the people in your organization don't really diminish because of that, because someone has to set up the structures, the systems, the feedbacks, making sure that people thrive in your organizations, reach their potential. And this really starts by having a good and solid idea of how do we recruit for our company 
And coupled to this is the role as a recruiter. I mean, it's a career that very few pursue and stay in for a long period of time, especially if, if we look um, geographically where we are right now in Sweden. It's historically been that oh, recruitment is something you do in the first parts of your uh, part of your career to then move into more HR, being an HR generalist, working with with more like managing the people inside your company, because it was seen for many many years as something that doesn't have any depth. That's it's, it's just like okay, let's put an ad out, let's look who we get in. Okay, we select three candidates, put them in front of a hiring manager. The hiring manager like that person, great hired, done, let's reject everybody else and let's forget about it. And if that is how you view recruitment, I've got news for you, you you're in deep trouble. Um, as someone who runs a company, you have to look long term, you have to treat people as people and not as candidate, candidates, not as just something that you need to fill your requisition. And also the recruiters, if you view them as Oh, this is not, uh, not not really something that is core to our business. It's it's not really a trade. It's not not something that can be taught. Uh, it's not something that can distinguish like one recruiter from another, other than personality. It is a trade. Uh, it is definitely depending on the knowledge level of your recruiters, you will reach very very different results, and you will be able to repeat good results over time if you really think through your recruitment processes and the, the people that you have in there. So some of the solutions I see sometimes is that, okay, we need people, uh, we don't maybe have our own internal TA or recruitment department, or we do, but we still don't hit the targets. So instead of going to the root of the problem, looking at the structures, how do we set things up? What kind of stuff do we actually need to do and how do we do it? How do we follow up? What kind of data is there? What are candidates seeing? And really trying to understand your competitive edge in the market as an employer. I often see that people then go just turn to, okay, let's just get more candidates in. Let's just engage multiple agencies to, to cover the need that we, that we want. And why is that a bad idea then? Well, for once, it's basically that the same people, which they still are, there are people, get reached by the same kind of messaging and which is usually a template message, hi, first name, blah, 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 I have a great opportunity for you. And then it's the same company over and over again. I've seen this, I've done it myself, I've been there. It's not the way to go. You will quickly, quickly see diminishing returns from your talent pools. Uh, you will see that people, oh, I will say like, I've already been in contact with them. I'm not interested. And they will just be feel treated as a commodity. And this will affect your long-term hiring. It will increase your hiring costs over time because you have not treated people as people. You haven't seen them as a long-term relation. I mean, imagine that you're doing the same thing with your clients, that you're just asking, okay, our sales team are, are not performing, let's just get more external sales teams in, let's just pump those numbers out, let's get more outreach, and then you reach the same company with the same kind of messaging five, six, seven, eight times from different people. And what do you think that client would think about you and your company? That would reflect probably quite badly. Would that be a management priority for you? It probably would, because you would say like, our customers or potential customers are not really seeing us as, as a good place to buy the, the, the stuff that we're selling. 
they're, they're turning to our competitors. We, we have to do something about this. And then would you probably invest in training, better systems, a good CRM system, and think about TA in a similar way. Would you say like, if a candidate has a bad experience, would you just whiff it off? Uh, just saying like, this is nothing that, that concerns me. I have more important things to do. But that potential client or okay, sorry, candidate could be a next employee. Yes, it could also be the, ne- the person that you're meeting the next time, or your sales rep is meeting the next time you're at a, a nego- negotiation table that they're looking to buy something from the organization. And if they had a bad experience with your company, um, just of outreach or just a bad recruitment process or didn't hear back from the recruiter, it will affect sales. When you're, you're you're engaging people to be to be hired by your company, it's it's super super important that you make sure to document, follow up, treat people as people, and see the long term effect of it. Now, if you look at at sales, then you're maybe me- measured by the number of offers you sent out, the number of client meetings you have, and sometimes this kind of metrics is pushed also onto recruiters, like how many outreach messages did you send. How many people do we have in process? And they can be valid metrics at some points, but it also means that the quality of the outreach maybe isn't really viewed. And how can we over a long period of time really build a good uh, relation with candidates? That will matter for your long-term, long-term hiring, for your short-term hiring, for the success of your company at the end. So something that I encountered while I was still a student before I pursued a career within recruitment was that I was writing uh, my master thesis um, about uh, a topic called employing your customers. And we looked about uh, at the level of like if you were a customer to a certain uh, company, what would you expect from them as an employer? And of course, there's a correlation there to be seen between if you're a happy customer with a company, you're more likely to view them as a potential employer and a potential good employer. And some companies have actually done something out of this. For One example is IKEA when they were going to open a store in Australia. They actually distributed, um, you know, when you go to IKEA, you have these assembly instructions um, where you can like, how do you put the furniture together? And in their flat packs, in their current store, they placed something they called IKEA career instructions, like how to assemble your career at IKEA. And this solved a hiring need for a new store that was located I think it was an hour away from the current store uh, just by doing that. That means that people that are already shopping from your brand, maybe our customers, also would like to see you as an employer. And turning that around, seeing like, okay, people that are not currently customers that are engaging uh, maybe with you because they want to be employees, they will also use that knowledge they get from the recruitment process, from the people they meet to affect their next purchasing decision. And this stays true both for B2B and B2C uh, companies. So that's also why, why recruitment is a key topic really for, for a company. It's, it's not something you should just let uh, multiple external agencies just compete over without having a clear strategy about how to approach the markets. Sometimes, of course, you should use professional agencies, but with clear instructions on how to do it and maintain control of while, while they do it. Another one that I've seen is like embedded consultants, where you maybe are experiencing a hiring peak, so you don't want to build your TA function internally. It could be a good solution, of course, but it, makes, it takes time. And this, here we come back to the question about systems, processes, how do we actually treat people? How is the, our company way of doing recruitment? 
And if you haven't really invested in it before, then you will get probably suboptimal results because these embedded consultants will bring experience, knowledge, and of course, intention into helping your company to grow. But if there isn't a systematic approach to, to TA, they will do it their way. So we'll have a very varied recruitment process, uh, process which will rely heavily, heavily, heavily on the persona of the people doing the recruitment. And okay, let's say you've done the recruitment, you've hired the people, Okay, done and dusted. Let's forget about everybody else that was in the process. Or should we? I mean, that was a, a thing that I, I saw. Um, I, I did a, a consulting gig at a big fintech company here in Sweden. And I looked a little bit at their silver medalists. You know, the people that come in second uh, in the recruitment process. Or, or people also that rejected the company at the very last stage. And... I asked the, the, the TA managers, what, what are you doing with these people that came so far in your recruitment process that have shown so much interest, but then ended up maybe not getting the offer, not because they were not good enough, but because just you found someone that you thought was better for the role. And the answer was, we don't do anything. And I'm yet to hear a company to say, oh, we really care about our silver medalists. This is our process. This is how we're funneling them. This is how we make sure that they stay in touch with our company. So just out of my own curiosity, I asked for permission and I reached out to just 20 random out of these actually 900 people and thought, I'll just ask them, like, would they like to stay in touch with this company? What kind of information would they like? And I emailed 20 people, as I said, I got 20 responses. So it's a 100% response rate, which was for me a surprise. I was expecting like, <laughs> like the typical outreach, maybe you get five responses out of 20 and or maybe you get eight and are happy about it but i got a hundred percent response rate and every single one of them was positive to stay in touch and every single one of them was positive to an idea that i proposed to them would you like to get regular updates from the department that you wanted to join to see how they're doing maybe an invitation to some kind of seminar that they're doing and the answer was yes. So out of these 900 people, how many are actually plausible to recruit? Is it 900? Maybe, but let's work with a lower number, 10%. That actually 10% of these are people that could be part of your business when you're going forward. That still means 90 people that could join your business at a very, very low transaction cost. They're already in your systems. They've already passed the recruitment processes. People in your organization have met them. So potentially, just by building this, you could, you could call it a talent pool. But just by looking at something that's already in front of you, you can find a lot, a lot of value just bringing them into your business at a very, very probably low cost because it's probably just an email away. I mean... If 20 out of 20 people answer it, I mean, maybe I got lucky. Maybe I just picked the 20 out of the 900 at random that actually would answer. But still, there, there is something there to be thought about. Because if you just think like, okay, we've done the recruitment process, done and dusted, let's forget about these people. Then you need to start over again when you're recruiting for a similar role again. But by staying in touch with them, it's a little bit like when you do marketing for your customers. Or, or for your, your prospects, as you, as you would call them in, in, in sales, like before they could become customers. 
if you stay in touch with them, which you probably do, your marketing department probably works with that. You probably have outbound messages, you probably have seminars, etc. That means they will also think about your company. They will recommend your company. They will talk to others about your company. And this stays true also because in the end, it's the same kind of people. Like that might be your customers, that might become your employees. They will be in the ecosystem of your company at one way or another. So staying in touch with um, your your potential employees, your future colleagues, um, doesn't have to be advanced or huge projects. It's, it's like this example of the fintech company. It's, it's just right in front of you there. It, it probably will take a couple of days or an afternoon uh, for someone in your organization to start looking at that and just doing small, small efforts, just pushing like relevant information. How can we engage with with this potential talent pools of ours. And since you already know that the, these are highly qualified people, might be worth to spend some time with them. I mean, as in a sales organization, you, you, you would probably have a, a CRM system that can have solutions designed specifically for this purpose. And, and it's possible also with your applicant tracking system. But in the end, it's like, what do the people want? They would like to ha- tailor the information, relevant information. And from the team, basically, where, where they would be joining in the future and I think that at this age of of company building in general I mean transparency is something that's valued by everybody I think that it's so easy to google to see glass door ratings to, to look at other stuff talk to employees reach out to people and just sharing what you're currently doing in different departments you don't have to share like the complete date details or data sets or, or internal information but just keeping the relevant people that you would like to engage up to date will aid your recruitment effort because that is basically something that, that we do as recruiters. It's something that we call calling keeping the candidates warm, which is usually when the hiring manager says like, oh, I can't really decide. Uh, make sure just to give them a phone call, keep them warm, um, just make up an excuse. But it's, it's similar here because if you keep people warm or informed of what's happening at your company, it will be much easier to engage them at a later date, be it six months or 12 months or 18 months. If you're gearing up for your company not being here in 18 months, then fine, don't, don't take any of this advice, just throw it out in the garbage. But if you're building a company that you would like to see be around and be better in 18 months, then I think this is actually a priority just to make sure that people are expecting companies to be a little bit more open, collaborative. I mean, we, we ha- we're seeing like the age of freelancers, people moving around between companies, working on contracts, working from home, being a little bit disengaged from brands. And so something I've recently actually started to see is a movement of, of teams uh, seeing that, okay, we have this great person that could fit as a CTO and, and uh, he would like to bring two or three people uh, with him going into a new company and do a specific task. And this is something that maybe has been true for a long time. I mean, when typically when you're recruiting senior people, you almost almost expect them to bring someone or know someone that could be good for a role working in their team or in a, in a related department. But just bridging this into keeping relations, I mean, keeping in touch with people will add added value to your business in terms of lowered recruitment costs, a good reputation out there. You could call it employer brand, sure, but it's your company brand in the end. It's like, what would people say about you? Oh, I had a really tough experience with them or they just ghosted me. They never came back to me. Or the recruiter said like, 
oh, you know what? Um, we have already sent four candidates to the hiring manager and you're great, but I would just like to process them because I need to close this requisition. It's not really treating people like people and they will remember that for years and it will affect their perception of, of you. If you not have a natural monopoly in the market that you're working in, then maybe you can treat candidates as you would wish. But if you're in a competitive situation for talent as, or just have competitors in the market that are selling similar products and services, you should really think this through. And speaking about thinking this through, I would just like to jump in quickly about one thing. And that's like the hiring process. I mean, we can talk about processes all day if you'd like. But at the end of the day, you usually just focus on what the recruiter does in the hiring process, which is great. I mean, it's, it's, it's our job. Of course, we should focus on what the recruiter does. But then typically you come to a stage where Okay, you have engaged people, you've talked to them, you've screened them, you've tested them. And now we come to the team interviews, the hiring managers interviews. How do you make sure actually that you transfer the information from the first calls into the hiring managers? This is usually done through notes. Maybe you have audio recordings of the calls. Maybe in the best case, you have a scoring guide where you can actually say like this candidate scored this and this. They're valid uh, from the background with this and this. And you've actually done a proper screening of the candidates, but then they go into this sometimes dark hole of hiring manager interviews. How do you know that your hiring managers actually represent your company in a good way? How do you know that they have read the CV before, if you're using CVs, read the CV before the interview? How do you know that they've actually read the summary of the candidates? And keeping in control about those parts makes sure that the hiring manager is informed about what kind of person they're meeting it means that that person probably won't be needing to repeat themselves. And they will also get a sense of, hmm, this company actually knows me. They, they care a little bit about me, which is a really, really great feeling to have because referring back to like, oh, you spoke to our recruiter. Um, she told me this and this, or he said that and that. And here's the thing. What does the hiring manager want to do? If you're not controlling that part, if you don't have a plan for the second or third rounds of interviews, what kind of topics are we covering? How do we document this in a structured way? It's impossible to iterate. You've lost control. You don't really know what's happening in there. And some people will say, I had a great chat with the hiring manager. We're really happy. And another will say, they just asked me so many irrelevant questions. And in the end of the day, that is actually a key component in making sure that you get the right people in. Because if the hiring manager asks asked the same sets of questions to, to different people, like we're starting to get somewhere, but usually you're affected by bias. It can be unaware bias or something that you do uh, by being aware of it. Like maybe the candidate attends at a certain school, maybe the same school that you went to, maybe they're from the same part as the country as you are, or maybe they're from a country that you don't like because they have a sports team there that really outcompetes your sports team. And then you will be negatively uh, biased just by knowing that they're from there. But if you start documenting, structuring, keeping control, what kind of questions are we asking? Maybe record even the, 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 the sessions in the beginning. Now you can start documenting and documentation means iteration, iteration means improvement. In the end, it also means control over your process, making sure that the people who meet you will have a good experience meeting your company. And why was that important again? Well, 
it is important because they might be customers in the future. They might be employees in the future. They might be spouses of employees in the future. It, they will be in the company ecosystem. And that is why it's super important to make sure that your recruitment process is really set because it all ties back to basically the bottom line of your company, profitability, having good people working in your company, uh, having the right people working in your company, also to revenue, making sure that your brand out there is recognized, that it's seen as a solid company, somebody somewhere you would like to work because you almost look up to that company. And all this starts with how do we do recruitment? How do we bring people into our company? And that's basically it for, for today, what I've been thinking about speaking in, in, in this podcast. I will maybe just throw in one thing at the end. And uh, I've, I've been seeing a lot of things about uh, chat GPT. And, and I'm, <laughs> to be honest, I'm, I'm using it it's a lot just to ask questions from every, every subject. I, I just think it's, it's fascinating. And sometimes it makes my life easier. It can help me bring structure to things or summarize notes, etc. So as, as someone who's maybe a little bit more seasoned in, 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 in my field, I can see it as a, ple- as a blessing. But this morning I was reading an article about students caught cheating with ChatGPT because they didn't really uh, want to answer the question in, in, by, by the same kind of, with their knowledge. They just wanted to get the answers there just to finish the task. And it becomes, becomes really apparent for me that ChatGPT and similar tools can be come actually something negative for for people that are starting out their careers or working um, early on because they don't maybe seek the knowledge themselves they just get it served or just get the answers served which means they never went through the thought process so it's a little bit like not building a good foundation and I don't mean that you have to read word for word in every textbook some people pick things up quicker but ChatGPT can make life easier but it's, it's also a very very powerful tool that also can limit the amount of knowledge that you actually process deeper and remember. So if we look at it as for recruitment, of course, it can save me time when just bringing some some basic structure up before a client meeting, like I'm going to meet this type of client, they're going to have this kind of need, what kind of questions should I ask coupled to this and this and this? And then it shoots me suggestions, which means that my thought process can be a little bit shortened but I see that some of the suggestions are not really relevant, but one suggestion makes me think about another and it helps me basically move forward a little bit quicker with my thinking. So using it that kind of way could be a blessing for seniors, but it also could be a curse for a junior because maybe they just take it at face value and ask those questions and don't really think it through and add their flair to it. So now I think I'm done for, for today. Basically what we went through today is, is the coupling between your hiring process potential candidates and how that can affect your bottom line, your revenue, your reputation in the market, how it can lead to increased costs uh, if you're not really working with a talent acquisition in a structured way, how taking control of your process also also includes the hiring managers. It's not only about recruiters. It's not about only about KPIs for, for the recruiters. It can be about just making sure to document and it's okay if what you document isn't good enough because then at least you know it's not good enough. Just thinking that it's not there and just pretending it's not there won't solve anything and you won't actually be better at it. And then make sure to, to think through when it comes to it. People have already been in touch with you. 
people that wanted to be part of your company. How can we make sure that we stay relevant to those people over time? Maybe they will join your company, maybe they will not join your company, but they might be your next clients. And yeah, that's all for today. My name is Daniel and I work at Pipe Labs. See you next time. Thank you.